Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown. A podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And it is just me today again, privates. That is right. It's your girl, Cokes. I am back for part two in our LA Sex Work State of the Union. We are checking in with all of our favorite local sex workers. Well, Sophia was on her trip to Portugal and Morocco, reconnecting with her husband, doing all that amazing fun, travel-y, sexiness. I was at home doing these interviews. So I'm really happy to be able to bring you this. Last week, we heard from Onyx Black, A.M. Davies, and Adrian Earhart. And they gave us a little bit of a debrief on what's been going on in the local scene. You know, they all have different perspectives and are kind of coming from the challenges and opportunities from slightly different places. So it was really interesting to hear. And then this week, I am bringing you two more super valuable perspectives, Megan Rippey and Nats Honey. Nats Honey is new to the show, so I'm really excited to introduce you to her. This is not the first time you've heard from Megan. She was on the show for the very first time when we covered Raising Hell, which was an event thrown by Soldiers of Pole, aka Strippers United is what they now go by, though they're still Soldiers of Pole on Instagram. And it was actually an event to raise awareness for AB5, but the enactment of that law has played out in a lot of different ways that I don't know if people were predicting at the beginning. And it's had some kind of unintended consequences for both sex workers and just civilian jobs. And Megan has just been a great advocate for sex workers all throughout the local scene. And I've just gotten to know a lot more information myself through her sharing of information. So, so glad to have her back on the show. And actually we caught up with her and Coco Ono a couple months ago this summer And they gave us the lowdown on how they had been impacted after the pandemic and they weren't able to go back to Jumbo's clown room. So you definitely go back, check out those previous episodes. I wanted to have Megan back and get kind of a general overview of where things stand for this conversation, how the community at large has been impacted and just anything she's noticed along the way. And then after Megan, we're gonna hear from Nat's Honey I adore her. This is my first time getting to talk to her, but she is a real treat. I look forward to staying in touch with her because, yeah, I was just like, oh, what an incredible voice. She is so funny, and she also is just, like, doing a lot in the scene and is playing a very valuable role, and I just love the way that her mind works about this stuff. You know, there have been a a lot of struggles lately, 
for sex workers of all stripes in Los Angeles. And there are some exciting kind of silver linings too. So we're going to get into that. And I think all of these five voices together from last week and this week give a really helpful overview of where sex workers are at at this moment in time. It's a little bit of a time capsule for LA 2021 going into 2022. So I hope you get a lot of valuable insights out of this too. And it's also going to be an article for Inside Hook. So keep your eyes peeled for that. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, my name is Megan Rippey. Also, I go by Reagan and Janky Glamour. <laughs> and uh, I started stripping, I guess, like, oh gosh, 11 or 12 years ago. And I have been in the industry ever since. And then uh, when COVID shut down all the clubs, I co founded a virtual strip show called the, the Cyber Clown Girls. And I have been involved in many other virtual shows as well. And I'm also a performer on OnlyFans. How long have you been on OnlyFans? I just actually had my OnlyFans anniversary this month, actually. It was in November. So for about a year. Oh, congrats. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. So I guess, I mean, people get into it for a lot of different reasons, but was it like something that you wanted to get into Was there a financial need or like both? Talking about OnlyFans? Just like stripping and sex work, you know, in general. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I just really wanted to. Um, At first, I thought that it was going to be something a little more academic. When I first started, I had just graduated college, uh, undergrad. My major was in women, gender, and sexuality studies. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like, man, like what kind of job am I prepared for uh, with this undergrad degree? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And like, honestly, I, when I first went into it, I thought that I was like going undercover. I was like, oh, I'm going to learn so much about gender and sexuality and myself. And like, this is my self-discovery and I'm going to write a thesis. I'm going to publish it. And like, it's just going to be eye-opening. And, you know, and like, I went into it with this completely like misguided kind of like lofty idea of what I was doing, but it just quickly became a part of like my identity. And like, I just, I fell in love with the dancers that I was dancing with at my first club. It was like very much like a family And I, I still, I keep in touch with those girls and I love that. Yeah. And it was like, it became like a big part of, of who I am and the circle of people that I really care about. So that just, yeah, that completely changed. And then when I, when I came to California to go to grad school, I was looking for a kind of similar place to work where I felt comfortable and it kind of felt like a family and So I started working at Jumbo's Clown Room and I worked there for over 10 years. And that was, that filled that need for me for a long time. And it was kind of like a family, although it was a very dysfunctional family. (laughs) Um, It kind of felt like the same, the same sort of thing, you know, and then my story kind of goes off track is like that relationship really crashed and burned and ended very badly. Which is like partially to do with the pandemic, right? 
Yeah. Well, the pandemic definitely, it made things difficult in a lot of ways. There were some positive consequences as well, but like definitely made things difficult as far as like, you know, clubs shutting down. That was just like very traumatic for a lot of dancers, including me, just not really knowing like what that was going to mean for our livelihoods. Mm -hmm. Um, That was like a really scary time. And then also I want to say like the flip side of it was, I think it made us all a lot more innovative, creative, and like brave. So we had to kind of step out and do our own thing. So a lot of dancers and myself included, like created these virtual shows to just keep some money coming in some income at like, as we weren't really sure, like when the clubs were going to open or how much government assistance we were going to get, you know, there were just a lot of questions as far as even what we qualified for, because that was like a big question too, is like, you know, people who do work of a prurient nature were not approved for like some of the government assistance. And so that was like a big factor in what we were doing. So, you know, the show that I helped to create, we were all about looking into our community, the dancers that, that we knew and the dancers that we had worked with and trying to make sure that everyone was doing okay. Who, who needed to work? Who needed to be put on the show this week? You know, so I was definitely involved in just sort of helping, which made me feel, you know, I, I felt very empowered in, in that position. Like I was, um, I had taken on this kind of like this role that I had never had before. So it was a totally new experience for me to kind of be in this position of, you know, sort of like a leadership position. Although I I was, of course I was sharing the leadership with other dancers. Um, It certainly wasn't just me behind the scenes, but you know, it it was really a role that that I had never really stepped into before. I hadn't stepped up in, in that way in my community before. And then the other thing I want to say is the pandemic, you know, another effect that it had was it really, it's shown a light on so many different things, you know, as far as like inequity, inequality, Mm -hmm. injustices, you know, there were so many things that the pandemic really showed us and like, you know, brought out of the shadows and into the light. And so that was like a huge part of what I saw happening too, was like, you know, these issues coming up of like, things have to change, you know? So one of the frustrating things for me was like, you know, there was that time when everyone felt really on board with like demanding that things get better, demanding that things change, demanding that like the institutions and the organizations and the places that we like to patronize, that they have to step up and they have to change like the world is changing and the world is asking them to change. Like summer 2020 vibes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like change or get out of the way, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then like the frustrating thing for me is like with things, you know, sort of opening back up and like things going, you know, sort of at least trying to kind of weasel their way back to normalcy. A lot of that got left behind. And that's just like, that's just really frustrating for me. And I'm speaking about jumbos specifically, but like just certain things didn't change. Certain things just like snapped right back into place with all their flaws and issues and just like, and just are continuing on as if nothing happened. But like, I think that that's true for like the industry at large. And it's like, I feel like the stripping industry, especially is like 
really, really due for some huge, huge overhaul changes. Um, so that's what I'm a part of right now is like creating a, like a stripper co-op with some dancers that I work with. And so we're just trying to do our own thing. Who are you working with? Oh, um, right now I'm working with the dancer Leona and the dancer Riv and Coco Ono. Ooh, I love Coco Ono. I can't wait to hear more about that project. But, you know, it's interesting. I have talked to a couple of dancers from the Soldiers of Pole, Strippers United contingent. I also talked to Onyx Black last week, who held a slightly different perspective and thinks AB5 should be a choice. And there have been some different issues like AB5 and just things that have come to light over the course of the pandemic that have divided the community a little bit. But it also seems like they've been some really important conversations yeah. that needed to be had. Yes. I mean, my my stance has really not changed on that. I really think that unity is the answer and not division. And not not everyone feels that way. But that's where I stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, social media can feel pretty toxic these days. People are spreading misinformation, they're posting oh-too-perfect portrayals of their lives, and then you get bombarded with ads on top of all of this. Well, luckily, Swell is changing the social game for good. Swell is an asynchronous, voice-based social platform where you can have and host conversations with people all over the world on your own time. If you're listening to this podcast, you already know the power of audio. People become so much more real and authentic when you're able to hear the tone and emotion behind what they're saying. Well, on Swell, you can broadcast your voice to ask a question, share an opinion, or just tell a funny story and connect with a diverse array of people. You can also listen to others talk about their expertise or thoughts on a topic that interests you. If you enjoy listening to podcasts like this one, you will love all the compelling voices and content on Swell. They have stations on mental wellness, real life stories, pop culture, LGBTQIA, and more. And now you can download the Swell app for free on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting swell.life slash podcast. Again, just download the Swell app. That's S-W-E-L-L by going to www.swell.life slash podcast. That link is in our episode description. Swell. Keep talking. So as I mentioned, we did a whole episode about this already. It's episode 61, Feminist Strippers, Sick of the Clown Show. Definitely go back and give that a listen. But long story short, Megan doesn't work at Jumbo's anymore. The pandemic brought a lot of issues to the surface. And for her personally, it was devastating. She actually started a change.org petition to stop strip clubs from firing strippers without just cause. But for the purposes of this conversation, I wanted to know more generally how the pandemic had impacted the community. So over the course of the pandemic, I saw a lot of mutual aid. I saw a lot of virtual shows. I saw a lot of dancers taking ownership and really trying to take care of their fellow dancers. And so it really raised the question for me, is this a trend we're going to keep seeing? Are we going to see dancers becoming owners of strip clubs? Are we going to see dancers with their own signature live show? 
Is this a trend that we're going to see continue? There are a couple really interesting examples that are happening right now. So I, I yeah, I, I was really inspired by a pop-up strip club called Acro Strip um, that cool. was started by a dancer named Ace. She was a dancer on the Cyber Clown Girls. That's how I, that's I think how I met her. And then I went to one of her shows because I was just so interested in this idea. It's a pop-up event. They bring a pole, they, they set it up at a bar. And then they have a bunch of different performers. And the thing that makes it so special is that it's a bunch of different performers. It's all genders. I love that. All backgrounds, all body types, all skill levels. I mean, it's really like anybody can do it. And I love that outlook. And I love the energy that that brings. You know, it's super supportive. It's like, all genders, all sexualities, all, you know, it's like, it's just really anybody, anybody mm -hmm, can, mm -hmm. can be a part of the show. And I just, I thought that was so cool and like innovative. And so like, you know, that is so reflective of, I think the direction that we need to be going anyway. And I loved it. I, I went to the show. I had a fucking great time. And then we were trying, and then we are trying to create a similar thing. It's a little bit different. It's, it's sort of borrowing from the cyber clown girls model of, you know, sharing tips mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, everyone does their set and collects their money and that's their money and they go home with that and that's it. But like our show is structured a little bit differently. So the way that we, that we did our first show and it's still definitely very much experimental, but we did, we did use the, the cyber clown girls model of pooling all the tips, splitting it. Everyone gets the same share and it's like a group effort it's a you know event and we're all pitching in and then a portion goes to the co-op to sort of like fuel the next show so yeah and then sort of using the model also of some of what we make going to donations and stuff like that mm -hmm. so we definitely want to keep that part of it alive so that's important to us too so yeah just Creating this kind of hybrid strip club co-op is one of the main things that I'm working on right now. But yeah, so our first show was, was a hybrid, also virtual and in real life. So it was online. That's great. Yeah. And it actually worked out. It was like, I was like, this is going to be a mess. This is too ambitious, but it actually, it's doable. It's doable and it worked and we can definitely make it better. There's definitely some things to iron out, but it's totally, I think it's like the new, that's the new direction. I love it. That's great. Okay. On the, a negative note, let's talk deplatforming. Oh yeah. Because that's something that happened recently to you. Yeah. I'm like still dealing with trying to figure that out. But yeah, I have a lot of feelings on that right now. What happened? Yeah, what just happened to me, which has happened to others, and it, it happened to one of my best friends before, before it happened to me. So I, I, I kind of wondered if it was coming just because I sort of saw the writing on the wall. But uh, Venmo and PayPal both permanently disabled my accounts. And I mean, I just find it discriminatory. Just like for violating terms of service or for whatever bullshit they say. Right. Yeah. And they keep it purposefully vague. So they don't even, they don't even tell you what it was. They don't tell you what you did. 
which is so infuriating. But like, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's vague, but it's, you know, it's a violation of the user agreement. It puts their, you know, users security and safety at risk, you know, just all these like bizarre claims that like whatever I did, which whatever I did, it's, it's going to be one of two things, accepting tips and having the tips be in exchange for something that seems sexual in nature. So it's one of the two. So my argument would be if I could appeal, which I can't, but if I could (laughs) appeal their decision, my argument would be, first of all, tips are protected under the law. They can't be garnished by any third party. So if they're mad that I'm collecting tips, but I don't have a business account, they would say that I'm running a business, I'm providing a service for exchange of money. I would say I'm not providing a service for an exchange of money. I'm just accepting tips and tips are not, you know, you can't collect my tips. So that's why I don't have a business account so that you can't take a piece of it. So I don't know if they were hurt, you know, also, that for something that seems sexual, it's like, prove it, bitch. You know, yeah, for something that seems sexual, that that's another issue that I have because what I think it was was I had a customer who was sending me Venmo payments, and then the notes were that were sexually charged. Mm-hmm. Now, can you guess what happened to his account? Nothing, nothing, obviously. Yeah. Or it's like a vengeful asshole who like tips you and like doesn't get whatever he thought or like isn't a satisfied customer or whatever. And then that person has the power to basically take you off the ability to collect payments. Yeah. That theoretically could be it too. Yeah. And like the timing of it, the timing of it tells me that the red flags were the comments that that were sent, which again, you know, I didn't send them. I just got them, but that's enough to have my accounts permanently disabled. And that's a big deal. First of all, it's not just an inconvenience that that's like, you're taking away someone's ability to make money on a popular platform where they have been making money. Like that's, that's, that's a violent act. That is like, I mean, I'm going to be okay. Don't worry about me. I'm resourceful. I can figure this out, but I'm just saying that is a big deal to deplatform someone off of a payment platform that everyone uses. That is harmful. Like I'm really upset about it because it's really, really, it's dangerous that they can just do this. For sure. And like, how are they this in our business that like you could just be sending some nasty shit. You're your boyfriend sending some nasty shit to you or whatever. Like, why do you know everything about you know, every payment. I don't know. And like, we all kind of knew, like, you know, I've heard not even performers, uh, you know, not even strippers or not even, you know, burlesque performers or someone taking off their clothes. Literally, I've heard, you know, hairdressers, if you're going to pay them on Venmo, they're just like, just put some emojis. Don't say what it is. You know, like, we've all heard that. It's like, we all kind of know that they're that they're in our business, but we're not really sure what they're looking for. And we're not really sure what's going to like be the thing. So it's like, we're all in this weird, scared state of like, oh God, they're watching. I'm like more paranoid than ever. Now I'm like, this has just completely like thrown me off. Cause you know, I just think of myself as like, not a threat. (laughs) Totally. 
why am I being, you know, so targeted? It's totally fucked up and not to promote Bitcoin, but to promote Bitcoin. (laughs) I mean, we really do need them out of our business. And what you're talking about right now, though, is like, yes, it can apply to hairdressers and other people, but I mean, it really affects sex workers. Yes. I mean, it's kind of related to the OnlyFans thing that we saw in August. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to like read this trend because OnlyFans like almost went through with that, but then didn't and was like, oh, our bad. And I was like, okay, that seems like a win. But like then Venmo and PayPal are just like, you know, no consequences for deplatforming, for discriminating, you know? So I wrote, I wrote them this like nasty email, just how they were like discriminating against women and sex workers and, you know, how messed up this is and that it's biased and it's unfair and, you know, that, that, that they're harming people. And, and just, you know, and the fact that like the woman getting sexually charged messages is the one that's punished and not totally. the account sending them. I mean, that part though, like <laughs> I can't get over it. I'm just like, and what's going to happen to this other account? Anything? <laughs> totally. Silence. If it's a puritanical rule, like why doesn't it apply to him? Totally. Exactly. Oh, I don't understand. (laughs) I'm just so mad. Okay, so we made it through the pandemic-ish, maybe. We're going into 2022. What are your predictions for LA stripping scenes, sex work scene in general? Like, what's the state of the industry? And where do you think it's headed near term? Ooh, I think it's headed towards more. Pull it up by your bootstrap or whatever the expression is, (laughs) like pop-up events run by strippers. That's what I think is going to happen because first of all, it's super fun. You haven't done one yet, like do it. Cause it's just like, yeah, it's a great way to, to just take control back because this industry is just so classically, it's so classically designed to really keep strippers like at a certain level, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and sort of keep them beholden to, to the systems in power that are already in place. So like, yeah, like pop-ups and like making your own shows. I mean, like virtual shows are still happening too, because they are, you know, completely like run by the strippers and like, we, mm-hmm. we, we make our own rules and we can do our own thing. And that's super, super empowering. So those are still happening. And then s- some of them, like the cyber clown girls are experimenting with like bringing it into the in real life space. So it's this kind of like hybrid experience where we still get to have all of this control and we get to bring it to an in real life event space as well. So we kind of get to play with that. Um, but yeah, I definitely see more, more of these things popping up, especially because, okay, ideally it would be great if we could like own our own club. That is hard. It is hot. Like there are only so many of these like licenses to go around in the city and they cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can't just buy a club. I can't tell you like how many people when, when everything went down with me and they were like, just, they were like, you should open your own club and we'll come and support it. I'm like, well, that's great. But I really need like a million dollars to to put down. So if you have a million dollars, like we'll that's, talk. that's great. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll talk then. But in the meantime, like this whole, yeah, this whole scene of like creating these events and pop-ups, like that's the easiest way to at least to start to experiment and, and move forward 
I think, creatively until it's hopefully, hopefully eventually possible to like have a brick and mortar spot, which would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're working on that. We're working on that. Okay. Super quick. AB5, where do you land on that now? Having lived through it? Oh my God. I'm my feelings are so complicated on AB5. It's so, it's just like, it exists as this one thing in theory. And then it exists as this other thing in practice. And it's just like, how do you even convince anyone that they're the same thing? Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on it anymore because like, I want it to work, but it's just a pain in the ass. So like, I don't know if it can work. I'm just annoyed. And it's just like, it is making things, maybe not AB5 itself, but the failure to really follow its own rules has just made stripping in California just such a pain in the ass. Listen, privates, I get it. Going into a sex shop can be overwhelming. You can spend hours browsing the shelves only to come home and realize you still forgot a necessary ingredient for your romantic night. Well, we have a solution for you because Like a Kitten will ship you a box with all your erotic essentials from vibrators and massage oils to robes and handcuffs. It's your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. And this month, they're helping you choose your own adventure with their BYOB box, aka build your own box. This is my favorite because you get to choose one item out of each of their six categories. Toys, beauty products, lube and cleansers, games, sexy accessories, ooh, and lingerie. And within each category, you have eight or more products that you can choose from. So you can build an experience that's customized to your specific desires. I mean, I just got a BYOB box and it included a robe. I picked a toy cleanser that I'd been desperately needing because you know your girl's wearing her toys out. (laughs) And I got the Pleasure Hunter trio that included this butt plug that I have been dying to try. And what's amazing is the box only costs $69. Hee <laughs> hee. And some of the vibrators alone retail for more than $69. So the entire box of six gifts is a steal. And what's extra cool is that a portion of all sales goes to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. So you can feel good about feeling good. Right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash private or enter code private at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash private or use code private to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Likeakitten.com slash private. The link is in the episode's description. So, uh, hi, my name is Nat Honey, also known as Natalie Clark. That's my real legal name. So feel like you're really close to me right about now. Got back into exotic dancing in 2016 after having a child. Kind of disgusted about the way things are going. Joined Strippers United, which is a coalition group to advocate for strippers' labor rights inside the clubs. So 2016 was my re-entry. Okay. I actually started in 2002. That's when I started. And then about six years into that, I stopped, opened up a cannabis collective out here in Los Angeles. Oh, dope. And then stopped the cannabis business in 2015 and went back into dancing just so I could make sure to kind of 
bring all those skills into the stripping industry. Okay. That's really cool. So your re-entry, I guess, was that an inviting experience? I played it uh, really safe. That's what I'd say. Um, I went to a topless bar that I was already familiar with from my days uh, in the past. And ageism wasn't necessarily in practice. You know, the money was definitely different, but the clientele seemed to welcome me with open arms. The club that I went to, uh, they had a lot of older dancers. The dancer that brought me in was older than me. So it wasn't, ageism wasn't something that I was worried about as like I am now, you should say. So it was really good going back in, but now I feel like it's a different, it's a different beast now. Like now I'm over 40. Whereas when I came back, I was in my late thirties. Gotcha. Well, you look amazing, but let's follow that a little bit more. So like, what is, <laughs> what does ageism look like in the club? Ageism looks like, you know, you can only work on the slow shifts. Ageism is having you wait out in the front in the waiting room for two hours in order to see a manager if you want to get hired. And really they're just critiquing you on the security cameras and making you feel like, you know, you're not going to get hired. It can be pointless in a way. Do you experience it with customers too, or mostly from the business side? I would say both. I haven't um, just because I'm very aware that that's what I'm going to have to face going back in now after the pandemic. Cause during the pandemic, I turned 40. So now going back into it is completely different than when I started back in 2016 or even when I started initially in 2002. Okay. So the pandemic has been insane. There have been, I feel like some industry shifts in all industries, but obviously in sex work too. So especially like first year of the pandemic, how did that change your business? And then aside from you personally, like what else did you see in the industry? things are really different for me. A couple of months before the pandemic came on, I was actually in negotiation, not even negotiations. I offered, I put in a letter of intent to actually buy the club that I was at. They were trying to sell it because of AB5 and they just wanted to get out of it for a multitude of reasons. I didn't get it because they already had an agreement with the people that actually ended up purchasing it in, um, I would say October, just before the pandemic hit. Once the pandemic hit, it wasn't the place for me at all whatsoever. Uh, The environment just, it wasn't the cleanest place already. So the the idea of going back inside, it was, it was disgusting. Just did not feel safe at all whatsoever, at all whatsoever. And just AB5 also really put a sour taste in my mouth in regards to how club owners were treating their dancers. And I didn't understand why we couldn't get paid. And then on top of that, they wouldn't even allow for us to like do things like have photo shoots at the club. I've always been able to do that with my other clubs. Like in 2005, that's what I was doing before I opened up. So that was really odd to me, just not really being supportive of our artistic careers, Mm -hmm. kind of just throwing them away. Like, I can't even come in your off hours and do. Yeah. Because they're worried about tracking people's hours and in the regulation and stuff like that. I think that it's just more or less the system is set up for dancers to pay everyone else, not necessarily for them to receive hourly wages right. and then keep their money as opposed to tipping out 40% of their money or more than that. So that model is what they really want to stick to. And it's against the law. Yeah. It's yeah. against the law. So 
So I talked to some dancers from Strippers United. I've also talked to people who, you know, don't think it's great for them. So yeah, where did you kind of land on AB5? Uh, it, it it's really strange for me. Cause like I said, I was actually trying to get the club. I, I wanted to own the club. So AB5 was something that I was going to have to deal with. But I also felt that allowing dancers to choose between being an independent contractor or employees was where we should head towards. That all changed when I went to Las Vegas and I sat in on a convention meeting for a mainstream convention. They had a panel of lawyers. They had a payroll processing company there and two of the nation's largest heads of the strip clubs were also there and during this panel discussion they pretty much described to the rest of the country like people who own clubs in Florida or Ohio New York they're telling them their experience in California and letting them know if you're not setting yourself up for the dancers to already start to pay their own hourly eventually all of this will catch up with you. So just the way that they were sharing the information and how to skirt around paying us kind of irked me a, a certain kind of way. Oh. So I said to hell with that. If the law is the law, then that's just what it is. And I said, Strippers United, I'm all the way on board, like all the way. I do still feel like if a, I still feel like dancers should have the option somehow, some way. I know I'm constantly told that that can't happen. It has to be like an either or kind of thing. And even when I initially came in in 2002, a lot of clubs paid dancers hourly. Oh, really? I saw paycheck stubs. I saw W-2s. That existed. That was real. That didn't really fall off completely until I'd say somewhere between 2003 and 2006, kind of when it just did not exist anymore. So I've seen it happen. And just for them to, it, it was disgusting. Yeah. It's gross when you see it in front of you like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's bad that it happens, but then when you, you're like, Oh, you're trying. Okay. Yeah. You're trying. You're, you guys are teaming up yeah. against your workforce. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let me just go ahead and dedicate my time and energy to this organization that I know at least cares. Even if I don't agree with them on everything, I know that they at least care. So yeah. Okay. So pandemic happens. You're like, okay, I almost got this club, maybe dodged a bullet. <laughs> I like, you know, you didn't want to stay there. What did you, I mean, what'd you do instead? I actually, um, by January, I was opening up a, a different business. A friend of mine grabbed me on board and said, Hey, let's do a, a co-working space in Los Angeles. That's predominantly for women of color. And I said, let's do it. Um, I'm all in. So in January, I was doing that and I was still dancing. Uh, we had our grand opening on March 8th. Oh, my God. I believe the shutdown happened a week <laughs> later. So um, I was trying to that at the beginning of the pandemic. And my peers, they're very creative. They are very creative. They started doing shows and I couldn't really understand what was happening because I didn't do it. I didn't start it. I didn't create it. I didn't, I didn't understand, you know, like even my own personal life was kind of in a jumble at the time. So I didn't even have the time to dedicate to dancing like I did previously. So I, I was sitting in the backseat, I'd say, 
and really watched a lot of my peers develop shows. Somebody started up a, a mask business. Someone else started selling clothes. Like everyone just got really creative with trying to, you know, increase their portfolio however they could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you'd see some mutual aid, but really cool creative shows. And I hope that sticks around, which um, is something that I wanted to talk to you about. Cause I talked to Megan Rippey and she mentioned you guys were working on like a co-op situation. R. R. Yeah. So, and, and honestly, um, we're all doing different things, but yet they all fit inside the same circle now. You know, Megan Rippey, what she's doing with me is Artistplex. Yes. Which is a co-working space and production complex for exotic dancers and our allies. We're going to put on shows. You can have your meetings there. You can produce content. Um, it's really providing an environment in which where today's artists can be productive and network access to resources that we don't necessarily have direct access to. That's what the artist plex will provide. In addition to community events, workshops, we'll have a pole studio inside, a photography studio. We'll have fancy dinners because one of our invested members is a chef. Like that's artist plex, but very cool. There's so many other things happening. You know, Strippers United is the labor organization I was talking about. Megan Rippey is also doing a stripper co-op with her fellow former dancers. Like there's so many different opportunities that all of the dancers have created for either themselves or for their immediate group around them or extended group around them. I didn't make any money during the pandemic unless it was from the virtual clubs. That's where my food, gas, and, you know, I'm going to get through this pandemic money kind of came through because the government was not helping us. But somehow we all banded together, even though we were at one point trying to rip each other's throats out, we still banded together somehow. And like, here we are today, all still giving it the, the good go. Yeah. I did hear from a couple people that, especially around, you know, George Floyd's murder and all the protests and stuff that there was a little bit of infighting in the sex work community around the issue of race. What was your experience with that? It was horrible. It was horrific. It was disastrous. It shook me up. It put me in a situation where I, I don't necessarily find myself, but I honestly think that we're all better for it. Mm. You know, had I not felt the pain that I did during that time of our inner conflict, Artistplex would not have been bored. I wouldn't have not had the, the guts to be like, you know what? Fuck everything else. This is what I can do. Let's do this. I know we're all thinking this and you're thinking that, but entrepreneurship is where my head is always at. So I can participate in Strippers United and I can be a force. But if you guys really want to see your people of color lead, I'll show you what I can do. So basically it brought up some difficult conversations and you guys feel like you kind of talked through them to a certain extent to where you're able to work together a little bit. You know, some of my closest friends we had to have real conversations to because even in the process of them wanting to even in the process of them thinking that they're doing the best in terms of uh, trying to highlight people of color or uh, give them the space in the room, I had to bring it to their attention that I am that friend of color. I am in the room, you know, it, like it was, 
it was interesting, but shit, we are better, stronger. In my truest opinion, I think our country, if not the world, has a lot to learn from us because we can say, okay, we have differences. We are not the same. And even though we may struggle on this one plane together, there are still many different planes in which where we are not equal. But you look out for me, I look out for you, let's look out for the next generation and let's keep pushing. That common thread, that's what it's about. And that's where we are all at right now, in my opinion, from what I can see. That's good. So, okay, what's the state of the union for LA sex work scene right now? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? How would you assess it? I feel like we're in a transitional period right now. You know, clubs are trying to get a grasp on AB5 in terms of how they can go around it or go through it or still operate under the guise of it. So that's still to our either advantage or disadvantage. I know a lot of people lost their jobs because of that factor. I think 2022 is going to bring out another sense of entrepreneurial spirit in dancers. I think that it begins to define, we begin to define who we are to society. It's no longer what anyone else's opinion is of us. This is what we're telling you it is. We have holidays, we have organizations, we have communities, we have tools and resources and we're friends. We are everything. And there's no way that you're going to push our existence into the non-existent realm. That's not happening. Mm -hmm. Not when we constantly have people ripping our art, taking our culture, or just being down outright rude to us in the guise of giving us respect. Have you ever had any issues with being deplatformed on social media or on like a payment app? <laughs> She's getting ready to talk. Because uh, I am so, <laughs> I am so pissed off about this. I, I truly, truly am. I've been with Instagram since before anybody had their hands on it, since before it was bought out. And I've always, you know, posted my boobs. I've always posted my kid breastfeeding, like cannabis stuff. I've always been very expressive. And I loved Instagram for that for me. However, last year was the first time I was actually shadow banned. I still don't understand why that happened to me. Okay, fine. It happened to all of us. Uh, In time, I guess I was, allowed back in the good graces of the algorithm. Uh, but now I find myself shadow banned again, possibly because every time I do like a, a story, I type in the word strippers for like little icons that dance and like little, like I don't sugarcoat it. Oh. Even though like my peers have told me, you have to switch up the letters. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do that. And I'm just like, I did not do it before. I'm not going to do it now. So that's Instagram. But the flip side to that is the situation that just recently happened with GoFundMe. I don't, I'm not sure if you know or not. No, I mean, I know of a lot of other, but what happened with GoFundMe? Okay, so Artistplex is brand spanking new. Uh, we were in the middle of our fundraiser. I negotiated a lease. The building that we want is over 14,000 square feet. The landlord is with us. It is all lined up like a magical cream pie. 
we go on GoFundMe and in the process of me releasing the invested members, you know, say the bio, what they're doing. The third member I release in her bio, she talks about the tools and the resources that she provides for the sex community. Oh, just that one little bit. We got a message email about two or three hours after that was posted um, saying that we violated terms of service uh, because of prohibited content. It's extremely frustrating because we're constantly being pushed into the non-existent realm. Like here we have, I've already registered the LLC. I have the building on lock. You know, everything is in place. Legitimate. There's no difference between our business and the next business. Mm -hmm. Everything is on is on the line. And now you're telling me that because one of my members provides resources to a community that's prohibited content and we can't raise funds on your platform. I read the terms of service before we signed up thoroughly and truly thought that we were safe. Two weeks into our fundraiser, they, they canceled it. A week and a half, actually. A week and a half. A week and a little under two weeks. How much have you made? Uh, as of today, thirteen, thirteen thousand sixty. And you don't get any of that. Well, uh, they gave everybody who donated got their money back, and now we're just taking donations via Zelle. We have a huge uh, fundraiser virtual party coming up on Tuesday night. I'm really happy because Megan's putting it together for us, and all of the performers are donating their time and energy. So we're all just going to throw it in a pot and just kind of increase the funds and just keep it going. And that kind of stuff brings me to tears, honestly, because here we are, somebody saying that we can't do it. And then here we are gathering together, say, oh, yes, the fuck we can. (laughs) And we will. I will bulldoze you over. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. That's in my second nature. You know, that was another thing when everybody was was protesting, I felt I have a child, I have a small child, and I did take him to one protest that was dear to me in my hometown of Palmdale, but I couldn't take him to all the ones out here in LA. So it really touched my spirit to see my fellow dancers out there screaming, yelling at a time in which where I did not think that me being there would be wise because I I am, I say, fuck the police loud and clear way before these years, you know? So it's, I have to make sure that I'm not putting myself in a situation where I'm going to add to the problem. So I was very, very happy to see my peers out there screaming for change. Yeah, I'm tearing up right now. Oh, really? Yeah. I cry easily when I think about them. I mean, the pandemic has been an emotional time overall. And I've seen so many beautiful instances of calling for change and supporting each other within the sex work community. So there is a lot to admire there. But where are things headed? I wanted to know all about Nat's Honey's predictions for 2022 and beyond. Is this co-op stuff going to be happening? Are there predictions about AB5? Are we going to get away from the stigma? What is happening moving forward? I would like to say we are actively moving away from stigma. And I am giving props to those that have really pursued moving away from those stigmas over the last three to five years, if not the longer careers than that. All praise. Seriously. Thank you. So in relation to that, co-ops definitely is where it's at. 
I don't know if the nation will move as fast as the city of LA Mm -hmm. is moving in that direction. But usually it kind of sets the tone and the pace. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, uh, three years from now, there's a convention of some sort and it's only with stripper co-ops. Yeah, maybe it's like 20 of them by that point. I I see that. I, I see that, especially because we want to, at least I can't say all of us, but for me, if we make a dollar, we know that we want to keep as much as possible. We also know that, our, our bodies are very limited. Having some kind of return would be better. You know, everybody wants to make money even when you're not at work. So if a co-op allows you to do that, wouldn't you be more likely to get on a co-op van instead of working at a club that is charging you to work mm-hmm. without necessarily giving you a sense of gratification for your work? So I definitely think co-ops is the thing of the future. I just don't know how fast that's going to move. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you want to share? No. I love all my dancers. That's for sure. And I say my just because it's like it fills my heart. Oh, you're awesome. I'm so glad I got to meet you. You came highly praised and you live up to the (laughs) the hype. That makes me feel good. Thank you. Thank you very much, Courtney. This was a pleasure. Loved getting to know Nat's Honey. She came so highly recommended. Literally, Megan told me to talk to her, Antonia Crane, other people. They were like, you got to talk to Nat's Honey. And I got to say, she lived up to the hype. She is awesome. So I'm sure this won't be our last conversation, but it was a very enjoyable first. Hope you enjoyed this download as much as I did. A lot of really helpful kind of information and things to think about that came out of this conversation. And of course, donate to the Artist Plex. I mean, sounds amazing. And if you're looking for some end of year places to park some money for taxes, or you just want to help out and make a little contribution, you know, it doesn't have to be big. I can tell you from us, from all the stuff that we do in producing and etc throwing live shows sometimes it's the little donations that add up that make the biggest impact so if you have a little extra money to donate to artist plex or to tip the sex workers in your lives do it do it and believe it or not privates we have our long-awaited belize series coming at you starting next week can you fucking believe it i can't I literally can't. So, <laughs> but it is coming. We thought it was the perfect way to welcome in the new year. So, we are bringing you that series. It's such a good one. And I have to say, everything that's coming up for you in 2022, content wise, is bomb diggity. So, make sure you are following us on Spotify. Make sure you have rated and reviewed us. We love those five stars. So there is a new feature on Spotify where you can just go up to the upper left-hand corner and there should be like stars. You can give us five stars. We want your stars. So if you are listening on Spotify right now, just look down, click on that little star button, go to where you can click five stars for your girls, Soph and Cokes. On Private Parts Unknown, oh my God, we appreciate it so much. And if you're listening on literally anything else, just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. 
We love to hear from you. We love to get ratings and reviews. It helps other people find us, which is so clutch. You know, we're indie podcasters and we want people to listen to this show. So it's like viable for us to make and we love doing it. So the more that you can do little things like help other people find us, spread the word, it means everything. And make sure you're staying in touch with us between episodes. You can follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram, at Private Parts Un on Twitter. Those bitches don't give us very many characters. And hey, if you're still living it up on Facebook, we are at Private Parts Unknown on Facebook as well. We post all kinds of fun and funny stuff in between episodes. We got those bomb sex memes. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K, on everywhere except for OnlyFans, <laughs> where I am Coco Peep Show. If you're nasty, I actually love my OnlyFans account. So if you are nasty, you can stay in touch with me on there. And if you don't know, now you know, we have a really great newsletter that we put out for y'all. We have migrated over to Substack. Love their interface. So it is privatepartsunknown.substack.com. That's how you find us. You go to privatepartsunknown.substack.com. So easy. One more time. privatepartsunknown.substack.com. We're going to throw the link in the description. Sophia wrote all about her recent travels. I have offered some reverse cowgirl tips. Sophia has offered up her favorite tips on masturbating with a butt plug. What? <laughs> we are going there with the newsletter. So it's basically all the cool stuff that we bring you, except extra, extra cool stuff. So you definitely want to follow along on there. Again, privatepartsunknown.substack.com. What's that bomb-ass music? That's right. I had the same question myself. What is that bomb-ass music? Yeah, I want to know too. And good thing I do know because it is our friend, Amy Rausch. She made this bomb-ass music and you can listen to more of it if you just go to Amy Rausch, R-A-A-S-C-H on Spotify. Check out her website. She is the real deal. This music is amazing. So find her, look her up, follow her, support her. And this episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. I love you, Mike. I fucking love you, Mike. I love you, Mike. I feel like I really got to let loose on the solo there without Sophia. <laughs> So that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you liked it. And we will be back next week with Sophia. I miss her. I know you probably miss her too, but hey, we got in this great special and we're going to be back with our babe next week. So make sure you check back then. Bye. Hi, my name is Megan, also known as Reagan, also known as Janky Glamour. I am a veteran at this point, stripper and a sex worker ally. And uh, you can find me at Janky Glamour. Hi, I'm Nat's Honey. I am currently a board member with Strippers United. You can find us at soldiersofpole.com for right now. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Nat's Honey. 
And you can check out my website too. That's really cool merchandise, uh, spiritual-intellect.com. And keep an eye out for Artistplex, right? Oh, and of course, keep an eye out for Artistplex. Oh my gosh, donations are being accepted right now. Listen up now. Artists, that's plural, plex.com. That's our website. And we have our email up there, the ins and outs about who we are, what we want to do, and get to know us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.